here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm here with Aaron Taub. Uh, This podcast is a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. You can subscribe to the podcasting network. Check out all the great podcasts from Voices of Wrestling. You can also subscribe directly to Everything Evolves either on the podcast of your choice, or we have a solo feed now available on iTunes, so please check it out. You can follow us on Twitter, at EvolvePod. You can find me, at Aaron Like the Car, and Aaron Taub, at AP Taub. Okay, this has been a big weekend. We've gotten the plugs out of the way. Aaron Taub was actually in the building for Evolve 91, so we've got a lot to talk about. Aaron, tell me about how it was being there I know you've gone back and watched Evolve 91 on tape, so I want to I want to know if it was different, how it felt. Uh, just give me all the thoughts. Yeah, um, it was great. I had a great time. I went to both Evolve and Progress uh, yesterday, so recording Sunday. Uh, yesterday, Saturday was Evolve 91 and Progress New York City um, at the Elm Core Center in Queens, and it ruled. I had a great time. I thought Evolve had a very strong show. I thought the Progress show was awesome i mean progress's atmosphere is just incredible um it was almost i went to the battle of los angeles in 2015 uh the year zach saber jr won it and it felt like being in a pwg crowd as far as it's just a packed hot building everyone is there to have a good time and it was just like a really electric atmosphere and um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. We'll get into it, uh, I guess. Um, but yeah, I would say that yeah, it was a. I had a great time at both shows. Evolve was really good. I don't. I don't. I didn't like the the Evolve vibe quite as much as when they're in Laboom. But I think they had a bigger crowd. It seemed like, you know, they had like, I don't know. I was talking to uh, a friend I was sitting next to, and he said that he estimated it was like four hundred people. I, I don't know. I'm terrible at counting people, but it seemed like they had a, a little more than they usually do at Laboom. Um, but the atmosphere wasn't quite as like exciting be- just because like you weren't quite as packed, you know, you weren't every, it wasn't as intimate an environment as, as it is a little bit. You mentioned that it was hot. I feel like we yeah. should start there. There's a lot going on around Twitter today about the heat problem, uh, specifically a progress on Saturday night. 
And my understanding is I was not in the building. Of course, you can speak to it better. It was very hot. There was no air conditioning. There was apparently a time where there was no bottled water available. Uh, I understand some folks passed out and perhaps there was even uh, someone who had diarrhea related to the heat. Uh, Was it that hot in there? Well, I mean, I don't know how hot it was in other spots in the building. So I was in the front row. So there was no row of people directly in front of me. Right now, so that a lot of the talk have, has been you have kind of your sorry. A lot of the talk has been about how hot it was in the general admission section. Sorry, right, and so those people are like sitting on each other's laps and all cramped together. So whereas I had my own space, so I can imagine that if it was hotter there, it could have been, you know, unbearable. But where I was, it was like it was hot and like kind of unpleasant. But it was also for me, it was like the unpleasantness of like any kind of indie music or you know, hot indie wrestling crowd where everyone's sort of packed in together and you kind of get out, you know, by the time the show is over, you're like ready to get out and you get out and you like the doors open and it just, it's this great cool blast of air. Um, and you're just sweaty and it, you know, it feels like you've been through the ringer, um, which like I kind of like, but I also think that I also see how it was much hotter for people. People shouldn't be passing out at shows. You, you know, if there's a segment of time where you don't have water, that's like not good. You need to make sure you have water for people. That's, that's really kind of inexcusable. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's tough just because um, it's hard to find venues in New York city that are not a gajillion dollars to rent out. Right. I mean, the rents in the city are so high. And so either you're, you're choosing between either running outside of the city in places that don't have adequate public transportation or you're running, you know, in the city at places like this, or, you know, the Evolve venue that they ran at uh, over SummerSlam weekend last year in, uh, it was in South Brooklyn, and that was really high. It wasn't as bad, but that was, I just remember, like, being like, oh, my God, I'm sweating my balls off. This is, this is, it was really hot and gross in there, too. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't have, like, a super strong take. I think people are, I, I need to learn more about like who knew what and when as far as the promoters before I'm going to go on like, you know, a crusade, um, you know, and being angry. So that's, that's my opinion. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent sympathetic to the people who passed out. Um, and like, hopefully next week we'll learn more and I can have a more substantial sort of uh, opinion as far as saying, you know, whether progress fucked up or whether evolve fucked up. Like I, I need to sort of, figure out exactly what happened uh, before I sort of make those takes. I think that's fair. Uh, You've talked already about the great vibe at progress versus the vibe at evolve. Here's what I want to know. What's the difference? We know that there were, you, you know, you estimated and it's definitely an estimate around 400 people at evolve. My understanding from you and from other people on Twitter is that progress was packed, that it was way more people than that. Uh, why? What, what's the difference between these two shows? Yeah, I mean, progress had about like, people are saying that they had like three times as many people as Evolve. And it's really funny because on our show previewing um, this weekend of shows, we talked about how Evolve just doesn't have a lot of buzz right now. And we were talking about why don't they have a lot of buzz? And then I went to this uh, to evolve and then progress right after. And it's like, oh, 
I get it now. You know, seeing progress and evolve back to back and just seeing the delta between these two promotions and, and evolve had a good crowd, right? Don't get me wrong. They did, you know, the crowd was into the wrestling. It was better than the garbage crowd that they had in Joppa, Maryland the night before by a wide margin. But progress was just something else. And I, I came away from it just sort of really thinking the biggest thing that, that I that I came away from the show thinking was just progress has a very clearly designed aesthetic and they have a very, very firm idea of who they are and who their target audience is and how those two things connect, right? They know who they're marketing to and they know what they're delivering. And with Evolve, it's hard to say what they're really about, right? Like we got to the progress show and there was, someone dancing in the crowd before the show and people were just cheering them on and cheering them on. And, you know, it was just one of those moments where at that moment, it's like, it doesn't even matter what they do on the show. This is going to be a great time because everyone here is just, you know, and, and with evolve, it's like, it's like progress is, has a very, it's like they come out and they tell you we're pro wrestling for adults. We are punk rock pro wrestling you know, they tell you who they're for and what they're trying to do, right? The If you've ever seen a show on, on VOD, the owner of the company, Jim Smallman, comes out. He's this very charismatic guy, and he cuts this promo where he tells you how genuinely grateful he is, you know, that you're here and, and, and with them and at the show. And you just, you feel like you're rooting for them, and you want them to succeed. And they have this thing where it's like, we only have one rule, don't be a dick. And and, and, and what they're saying is like, you're going to be in a crowd. This is a crowd that's just like not for assholes. This is a crowd where like people are going to be like respectful and decent to one another and, and considerate of each other. And it's like, they just have this great brand where you see their shirts and stuff. And you just like, it's just very striking that they've been very careful about constructing their image and they can lose stars to WWE whenever they, whenever it happens but you're always going to have the progress brand there to draw people in. And when I look at Evolve, I see a promotion that doesn't really know what it is, right? In a way, I think that Gabe Sapolsky, the Evolve promoter, is a victim of his own success, right? He started Ring of Honor in, in you know, 2002, and he built this really special thing in the mid-2000s where their brand, their selling point was we have great athleticism. We have great in-ring wrestling. And that's our brand. And at the time, like, no one else was doing that. So people really loved them. You came to a Ring of Honor show and you knew you were going to get great wrestling. But right now, 15 years later, everyone is doing great wrestling. All the indies have great in-ring work rate products. You have a whole generation of dudes who grew up watching Gabe's Ring of Honor and grew up watching Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe and low key and wanting to have great matches and they're having great matches everywhere. You can see great wrestling at beyond. You can see it at defy at CZW at PWG at rev pro in England at progress at WXW. There's just so much great wrestling out there right now that it's not enough to just say we have a great in-ring product. There has to be a brand, right? There has to be an aesthetic. Like, and that's why I think that if you look at 
the shows at Laboom, they have a great atmosphere. And you see those shows and you're like, man, I want to be in that atmosphere. I want to go to that show. But if you watch their shows in other places, like the shit venue at Joppa, like, I mean, it's like, it's a fine venue, I guess, but the crowd sucks, right? You're just getting whatever indie wrestling fans in the city will come to see a good indie wrestling show. There's no targeting as far as who the audience is and, 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 and what the product is supposed to be. Right. Whereas of all as progress just has this party like atmosphere that a certain kind of like hip kind of punk rock, but not really punk rock person will be really drawn to. Right. And they'll tell their friends to come out as opposed to just sort of getting the same couple hundred hardcore wrestling fans who will just go to a show. I don't know. I know that it was kind of a, a, a long winded response, but um, am I making any sense here? Absolutely. Now, I have two things I want to throw back at you to see if this if this mitigates what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. So one is this. I understand that this was a, a better vibe and there were more people. But in fairness, this is Progress's second show ever in the United States. First time in the New York area. Second, they have guys who have been on WWE television, guys who are legitimate international stars that you would imagine can draw folks out uh, to see the shows. So I hear what you're saying. I agree largely with what you're saying, but I do wonder if some of it is driven by those two factors that, that I just talked about. Well, first one I'm going to dismiss out of hand, right? The idea that this was their you know second time in America, first time in New York, whatever, like people were clamoring for it, Right. Evolve couldn't go to England and draw 1,500 people. You know, Evolve goes to Chicago and Michigan for the first, like Michigan was a decent crowd, but it's not 1,500 people. You know what I mean? Like there's, people are watching this progress show on their, on the progress on demand network. And they're saying, I got to go see that. And if it means I got to fly it in New York city, to go see it, like, I'm going to do it because I need to be a part of that. And people just aren't saying that about Evolve right now. And the second talking point is fair, right? They do have the British Strong Style guys. They're on WWE television. They had Jack Gallagher. But, like, I don't know. Like, Evolve had Johnny Gargano when he was on NXT, you know, around the time that he was in that great match at the uh, Brooklyn NXT show where he had 20,000 people chanting Johnny Wrestling. Yeah, that's true. And but, they weren't but, they weren't doing this kind of business. Come on, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn are way bigger stars than Johnny Gargano. Are they? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's even close. Really? I mean, I don't know. I feel like people loved DIY at NXT. Like I thought I thought he was a oh, huge yeah. deal. Yeah, he people at NXT definitely did. But you remember when Pete Dunn came out the first time at that NXT show? The way the crowd reacted to that? Well, how much of that, like how much of that has to do with the work that progress and the rest of the English scene did establishing these guys as stars? That might be fair. And to be totally fair, the work that Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate have done at making themselves into stars. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really don't think I could be wrong. And it's, you know, there's no objective uh, measurement, but to me, it's not even close that, that Dunn and Bate, especially Pete Dunn, are, are bigger stars than, than Johnny Gargano is, even today. All right. Let's, 
I'll take your point as a given, right? I'll, okay. I'll, that's fair. But I, I want to read you something. There's, there was a progress t-shirt that I saw at this show that people had, and I just thought it was so striking. And it was such a clear mission statement for what their company is about. And I want to read it to you. I want to read it. It says, this is just a shirt. It's like just kind of a list of things on the shirt in black text. Choose progress. Choose pro wrestling. Choose punk rock. Choose Sunday afternoon shouting your lungs out with a room full of strangers. Choose clapping too hard. Choose not being a dick. Choose the playlist. Choose strong style. Choose not yelling at clouds when you get old. Choose F5. Choose starting from the bottom. Choose remembering that you started from the bottom. Choose trust. Choose looking after those around you. Choose big lads. Choose natural progression. Choose freedom's road. Choose a few hours where nothing else matters. Choose pro wrestling. Choose progress. So that's like a clear statement of like what they're about and name checking certain things that are kind of their gimmicks. And if I asked you, what's Evolve's version of that shirt, what would you say? Uh, choose Gabe Sapolsky. Right? It's I think like We've been saying that since the start of the show. The Evolve brand is Gabe. That's it. And I love Gabe, right? Me like, too, of course. I mean, I've given Gabe a lot of money since, you know, <laughs> since there was allowance money, right? But, like, that's not enough. I can't, I can't go tell people who are my friends who aren't already super hardcore wrestling fans, we got to go out and see Gabe Sapolsky's wrestling company. You know? And it's great. I mean, they have a lot of stars right now. They have a lot of talent with Keith Lee and Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr., but you can see those people in a lot of other places and, and there just needs to be some kind of driving aesthetic for Evolve. And, and it seemed like they were getting somewhere um, a couple months ago when they had kind of the Evolve is for everyone thing. You had Zack Sabre Jr. as kind of this welcoming, inclusive, inclusive champion in the age of Trump. And I thought, you know, you can lean into that, right? And do something different and be the woke wrestling promotion that you can bring your friends to without being embarrassed by what they're going to see. Right. You know, if, if you, you know, if you read Gabe Sapolsky's Twitter, it's clear he's thinking about social issues, right? He's tweeting about um, women's rights. He's tweeting about Trump. He's tweeting about gentrification. You know, these things are on his mind and it's like, why, why not put this into your art and make storylines that are, it doesn't have to be heavy handed, but it can touch on these kinds of social issues. And if you lose the one asshole who comes to prog- to evolve every month and yells out, you know, hey, Chuck Taylor, you're the Kentucky faggot, you know, like, whatever, you'll, the progress, the pro- when you have a niche wrestling product, you need to be filling some kind of niche. You, it needs to be targeted in some way. It can't be, you know, when you say pro wrestling is for everyone, you're not really saying pro wrestling is for everyone. You're saying that pro wrestling our company, our brand of pro wrestling is for tolerant people who are cool being around different kinds of people. And we're going to create a safe space that's welcoming. And so like there needs to be, I think a way of being like, all right, well, like maybe these people aren't going to be into this new direction that we're doing, but this direction is really going to, to appeal to this people and, you know, this group of people and we're going to be their favorite wrestling promotion and they're going to tell their friends to come out and see us. Right. With, with, we talked about this on this show too, that because there are so many options and there's so little time, 
exactly what you're saying. You have to target a specific group of people and make sure that those people become, uh, you know, insanely loyal to you. And they don't have to go the way that, that you're suggesting. Though I think that'd be a great sure, idea. Right, right. But they need to pick a lane to stay in. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Instead of trying to play all, all these different places. I think this is a good time on this show to say, uh, not only is it all for everyone, everything evolves is for everyone except Nazis. If you're a yes. Nazi, please turn this off and do not ever listen to the show again. Go listen to the Nazi wrestling podcast. That's right. I'm sure it's out there, but no, it uh, is. there's, there is, there's a Nazi wrestling podcast. Is uh, there? It ex- yeah. I don't know what it's called, but there's one, I like one of the episode descriptions is like, we talk about PWG and the Jewish question. Oh, is this, <laughs> so is this like the, the Nazis who show up to PWG? Yeah, 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 yeah. They have a podcast. Well, fuck Nazis. Uh, we have, this is not a safe space for Nazis. If a podcast could sure. punch Nazis, this podcast would do that. All right. I have, I have like, I, have, I still have one more, one other thing to say, I guess, about the progress vibe. And, and that it. was just that the other thing that really connects is like how much they seem to value their fans and they come right out and say, you know, they make you want them to succeed. Like you're in the crowd and you see Jim Smallman talking about like, how much love he has for everyone there and how grateful he is that you're in the crowd. And you're like, I'm going to be a good crowd. Like I'm going to boo the heels and cheer the faces and be loud because like I'm invested in these people's success and I want them to win. And so you're kind of, they found a way to get the people on their side in a way that I, even the people who come to evolve all the time don't seem to have quite at that that same sort of relationship with the company. Is that fair? Yeah, it's not like the time when you had to like wrestlers. And if you liked certain wrestlers or hated certain wrestlers, you would watch this promotion to cheer or boo for those wrestlers. Now, every independent wrestler is everywhere. So you have to like certain companies, or that's what the promotions need for you to do anyway, to be able to draw a... Uh, continuous and loyal crowd. Uh, so I, I think you're, you're right on point. Let's talk about these shows. Uh, Evolve 90 Friday night uh, in the MCW arena in Joppa, Maryland. You give me a little flavor, but give me your overall thoughts uh, on this show here. This was a rough show. I mean, the crowd was just dreadful and people will say like, Oh, well it's on the wrestlers. It's on the promotion to get the crowd hype. But like, from Jump Street, they just stunk. They just didn't react to anything. Like there was one point in the show where Darby Allen came out to cut a promo, and the moment he took the mic, they were just booing him and telling him to shut the fuck up. And it's like Darby Allen's like he's like a good guy wrestler. He doesn't cut a lot like long winded promos. Like they just weren't even going to give him a chance. And I just I really. Um, it's tough to do stuff with that. And that's the thing where it's like when you go to these markets and you have these bad crowds, like people are going to watch that show and be like, I don't want to go to that. Like that looks, these people are bored. I'm not going to go and be bored. So I think that was a big thing that stuck out with me. Um, I thought that the Walter uh, Fred Yehi match uh, was, was really, really good. I thought the main event with Matt Riddle and Leo rush was, was good, but it didn't really 
it didn't it wasn't a blowaway show and parts of the undercard I really didn't like and so it, it was kind of like a mess show for me. All right, well, let's start there with the last match you talked about, which was the main event. Uh, non-title match, WWN champion Matt Riddle defeated Leo Rush with the Bromission. Uh, you told us you thought it was good, but you know, you're going to have to give me some more than that, Aaron. This is a podcast. Yeah, well, I think that one thing that we talked about on the preview show is that this is kind of an exhibition match, and there's no real reason for it to happen. There were no stakes. It was, you know, Leo Rush is leaving the scene, um, so there's no, like, real reason to care about the outcome or to be invested in it. It was a fun match. I mean, you know, they're both great wrestlers. The finishing stretch was great with uh, Leo Rush uh, kicking out of a tombstone at one. And then, you know, Matt Riddle countered the rush hour into a jumping gotch style pile driver. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but it just didn't like, it wasn't a killer main event match, which at that point in the show, it was like, all right, this match needs to kick ass in order for this to feel like it was a, a, a really good show. Yeah, it was fun. Like you said, it felt like it never kind of went to second gear. This would have been great as a, you know, third from the top type match. But like you said, based on where it was and the way the show really hadn't delivered to that point, it needed to be a lot better. I will say, I, you know, I don't want to kill the wrong boys moniker, but I mentioned on the preview that Leo Rush would pull out some freaky strength just to show off, and he did. Uh, countering a to- or reversing a tombstone into a tombstone of his own, picking up Matt Riddle. I just loved it. Uh, something I did really like about this match was you don't see Matt Riddle in there with guys that he can just throw around and manhandle. I'm, well, he probably could throw around some other guys that he's in the ring with, but he doesn't do that. And so it was fun because Leo is so much smaller than Riddle is. He could really just toss him around, and I, I enjoyed that. Uh, that dichotomy. All right. Uh, there was a big post-match. Well, I don't know. It wasn't really much of a much of an angle, I guess. Uh, building up a little bit to the match the next night. We'll put it that way. Walter comes out, fresh off his win over Fred Yehi, which we'll talk about in a minute. And Walter's coming out. Catchpoint jumps on Matt Riddle. Uh, which we've seen many times. Walter tries to save Riddle, but Catchpoint also is able to kind of knock down Walter. And then out comes Keith Lee. So we've got uh, Williams and Tracy Williams and Matt Riddle who are fighting on the outside of the ring. And, you know, the, the best part of this is you have Keith Lee and Walter staring each other down in the middle of the ring. Keith Lee tells Walter that he respects him, but hey, this is Keith Lee's ring and Walter's going to have to bask in his glory. They shake hands, but this did serve the purpose of getting me pumped up for the four-way in a way I wasn't going into it. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I feel like we've seen <laughs> I feel like we've seen the end of show angle with Catchpoint attacking Matt Riddle. Like it's been kind of a lot. Like all these segments where like Catchpoint comes out to attack Riddle and Keith Lee makes the save. It's like sort of come to feel a little samey. Yeah, but but Keith Lee and Walter is not samey. Yeah, no, that was cool. I would have, yeah, that built some excitement. I could have, yeah. I guess they had to do all that stuff to like to get there because they weren't already out. But I'm just kind of like, there's only, it's like, I don't know. You could have just done it after the Walter match, really. Right, exactly. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's, I didn't, yeah. 
Did you notice that when Keith Lee tells Walter to bask in his glory, that Walter mouthed bask in my glory with Keith Lee? I did not. That's kind of funny. It I don't was know, really uh, weird. Yeah. Sometimes uh, dudes I, do that. I don't know. But I just remember there was like this old <laughs> Ring of Honor promo from like 2003 or 2004, like early in the generation next run where like Roderick Strong is just visibly mouthing everyone else's lines <laughs> in the promo. It ruled. Those dudes all, I was like, those dudes all came such a long way. But, uh, you know, at the beginning it was like Roddy wasn't quite, quite there uh, on the mic. <laughs> Well, this it was kind of bizarre. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna let's hop back to the start of the show. The first match uh, was ACH and Ethan Page. Uh, they defeated Doom Patrol, Chris Dickinson and Jaka. I guess the most noteworthy part of this match was that uh, ACH and Ethan Page came out to a new theme. They calling themselves the Troll Boys, which kind of feel like they ripped us off a little bit, and they have recorded a theme song that is a ripoff of bad boys and uh, is bad. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's first, let's talk about troll boys. And then I have something to add after that. Uh, what did you think of the song, the little gimmick as they're coming out? How did that make you feel? I think it's funny until the match starts. Like I'm, I'm really like into the apathetic gimmick and it's like cute and funny. And then the wrestling starts and you're just like, I just want to see wrestling. I don't need this. This isn't that funny. Just like do a match. Um, But um, people love it. Right. I said that people would boo it in New York and the next night, everyone loved the troll boys gimmick. Uh, They were super over with the crowd um, so it's like, I can't really hate on it too much, but it's so stupid. I just like, I don't know what, like, we can talk about the match in a moment, I guess, but like the gimmick is like fine and kind of funny, uh, but it's just like totally ruined once the wrestling starts. Yes, I agree. I was laughing like when the song hit and they're coming out, I was like, haha, you know, this is kind of cute. And I was enjoying it a little bit. Uh, but I just wanted, you know, I talked on the, the, sh- the preview show that what I was hoping for was that Dickinson and Jaka would get pissed off about the comedy here and about ACNH and ACH and Ethan Page not taking the match seriously. And they would just kind of beat the crap out of them. I mean, there were a lot of us on Twitter who were begging for, uh, Dickinson and Jaka to beat the crap out of ACH and Ethan Page. It made even uh, or that desire was even heightened by the Troll Boys theme song and how they were acting. But of course, we didn't get that. We got this kind of weird back and forth match where eventually ACH and Ethan Page win. I mean, over the tag team champion, the former tag team champions, who seemed, you know, indestructible there for a while. And they just lose to this put-together team who doesn't take anything seriously. So now they look stupid. And, I don't know, it, it makes Evolve look stupid because it's hard to get that, like going into the next match, it's hard to get that back of when these guys don't take it seriously. It's not like normal comedy wrestling where 
it's like, you know, funny and you're doing like spots to make people laugh. It's like wrestling. The point of wrestling is to do certain things to elicit a reaction from the crowd. Right. And there's a way as a comedy wrestler, the way Yano does it, the way Colt Cabana does it, whoever you want to think of, where they do things that don't kill uh, the realism of what's happening, but they you laugh at the person. You're not laughing at, it's kind of like comedy. Now I'm, I'm rambling here. I'm sorry, but it's kind of like the way I feel about like the office, for example, where it never felt like the actors were in on the joke. It's like, this was a character who is living their real life. And they just, it happens to be funny. The way they live life is funny. And then you have other comedy where it's clear that the actor is in on the joke. He wants you to laugh because he thinks this is funny, not because that's who this person is. That's what ACH and Ethan Page are. They are not making you laugh because what they do is funny. They're trying to uh, be in on the joke so that they can laugh with you, even though they're really laughing at wrestling fans, which kind of makes it worse. Maybe I'm just sensitive and a baby. That's possible. But I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Tell me you hate it. Yeah, I mean, I hate it because uh, I just like, it's like, I guess it's supposed to be like a joke on the Jim Cornette types who take wrestling too seriously. But in doing them, it like as somehow validates Jim Cornette, even though he's wrong all the time forever. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you see the stuff and, you know, you have, I forget which one of them was yelling from the apron, like unnecessary movements. That doesn't make sense. And it's like, you know, they're mocking people who would say that kind of thing. But I just like, it's just, I don't know. The whole joke is it's like wrestling is stupid. And it's particularly, it's just shitty to Dickinson and Jocka that it's like, even if you were going to have Paige and ACH win, there needed to be like some moment where, they're getting their asses kicked by half-assing it, and then they're like, oh, we got to try now, but it never happened. And so it was just like, you know, if these guys are going half speed and one of your top tag teams loses to them clean, what does that say about one of your top tag teams? I just, I don't know. It was worse the next night with their commentary. I'm just, you know, if you want to, if you're into it and you want to watch your family guy collector's dvd set and <laughs> throw on your hot topic bullet club t-shirt and come to wrestling and cheer on the troll boys like by all means bless your heart enjoy yourself <laughs> but this act cannot end soon enough for me it also kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier because what they're making fun of is the wrestling that people who like evolve like <laughs> right right yeah it's like dude right. that's what we're into and you're making fun of us for liking it so the real you know if i didn't do this podcast and i wasn't just like a wrestling nerd my real reaction would be like oh i should just stop watching this this is stupid <laughs> right oh yeah you're if if i believe their jokes then the wrestling i like is dumb and i should do something else with my life so that's yeah. stupid yeah Oh, I just hate it so much. All right. Yeah. The next match, Darby Allen defeated uh, a, a nice young man named Craig Mitchell. This was his first uh, appearance in Evolve. Apparently, he was from a uh, tryout camp. 
there were some people on Twitter talking about they really liked him. He didn't really get to show much in this match. My real problem with the match is, you know, Darby has Tim Thatcher the next night. And the whole story of that is that Darby's going to become a real wrestler, right? Like he's going to show off his technical prowess. Eventually he's going to challenge Zack Sabre Jr. But he didn't like show any of that in this. I mean, I think he tried to a couple of times, but he's just, he's not very good at this point uh, at that type of wrestling. He's really good at what he's done before. Not that great at this. And so, I don't know. It just, the Mitchell guy didn't really feel like he belonged. And uh, the match was just kind of nothing. It was okay. Yeah, it was fine. And further the story, you know, Darby won with that Gibson leg lock pinning combination. And I like that so, finish. Yeah, it's cool. I'm into it. So that was cool. It was fine. It was short and inoffensive. Moving on. Uh, Austin Theory defeated Jason Kincaid. Theory hit him with the Theory KO, which I feel like they were calling it something different last night. And uh, but I'm I'm forgetting what it was now. So this that's really good. I'm glad I said that. I just thought they kind of renamed it a little. Uh, anyway, this it just it wasn't very good. It was it dragged a lot throughout. Uh, but but I'm going to take up for my boy Austin Theory, my second favorite AT, because I just think Kincaid's not very good. And I'm going to blame this all on Kincaid. Nah. What did you think about it? I thought it was all right. I thought that um, I liked this. I liked Theory uh, spitting on Kincaid and then spitting in his mouth. Um, it's interesting. Oh, I go back why would you like that? Why? It was like a cool heel spot. It was like a no, shitty thing to no. do. It's like, wow, you're ah. a real dickhead. You just spat in that guy's mouth. That's fucked up and grimy. Ah. So it's like, I thought that was cool. It was weird because it's like with Kincaid, um, it's interesting because at first his he sort of had the comeback after that. And he did kind of, I think he did his like springboard, like rolling DDT that he does. And at first I was kind of like, well, I kind of want someone, if someone spits in your mouth, like you're expecting the big fire up in the high impact offense and him to start, you know, throwing forearms or whatever. But then I went back on the other hand and I was like, well, on the other hand, he's, you know, his whole gimmick is that he's like nonviolence, He's into nonviolence. He's a pacifist. He's about inner peace. So maybe it doesn't make sense for him to like fire up and start throwing these forearms. But I don't know. So I went back and forth about that. So I guess like I thought this was okay. I don't have like a ton of ton to say about it. It's interesting because I feel like we do a pretty good job of breaking down stories, but sometimes like our wrestling analysis is not quite as uh, you know precise. Like. We're not really the we're kind not of wrestlers. People. Yeah, we're not wrestlers. We're not the kind of people to go to if you want someone to sort of talk a lot about how, you know, the heat segment was too long or whatever. You know, occasionally we will, but it's not really our forte. So I just, you know, this was fine. Didn't do much for me, but I didn't despise it. And I thought it was interesting with the post-match where Kincaid uh, tried to talk to Austin Theory and, you know, trying to get him you know, out of uh, Priscilla Kelly's uh, mind hold, I guess. That's not, that's not <laughs> great. That's not great fiction. But uh, trying to, he's trying to get, a, get his mind right, I guess. And that's another thing. The Priscilla Kelly angle is another instance where you get the sense that this promotion doesn't really know what it is and won't go full force one way or another, right? Um, on one hand, 
Um, Priscilla Kelly is the story with Priscilla Kelly and Austin theory. There's a very strong subtext of sex, right? It's this idea. It's, it's like not a super creative or forward thinking idea for a woman, for the only woman character that you have in 2017. But the idea, right, is Austin theory um, is a young naive and he's being corrupted by this like hot woman who is, you know, taking his innocence. Um, so they have this angle, but at the same time, they're offering free tickets to uh, anyone who brings their kids to the show in Maryland. Um, but also they're not speaking directly to the sexual aspect of the storyline and they're kind of talking around it. And so there's kind of this like dissonance where it's like, what are you? Are you the promotion for adults that has this kind of edgy angle about the sexual corruption of a young man? Or are you the family-friendly promotion that gives free tickets to kids? And I just, that's kind of another place where I'm like, I don't know, I don't really, have, you know, it's their business, right? But like, pick one way or the other, I feel. Is that fair or am I reading too much into this? No, I think it's totally fair. I think it's a great example of of Evolve refusing to find a lane to go down and instead, I mean, I don't even know what what the point of this angle really is. I mean, it, it's helped in that theory is better in this role. So I like that they've kind of uh, turned him this way so that he can act a little more aggressive. He's a lot better. But there are no other women in the promotion. So I don't really know the point of bringing around Priscilla Kelly just to do this stuff. I don't know that she really gets Austin Theory over because she's not over with the crowd. Uh, I mean, you know, didn't come in over with the crowd. So I'm not really sure what purpose she serves other than to give us like these weird distraction uh, finishes or, or near finishes and, you know, to add some sex appeal to the promotion. So it's, it's just kind of a weird fit all around. Yeah. The next match was the tag team championship match, Anthony Henry and James Drake, the workhorseman, which I hate that, by the way defeated Tracy Williams and Rory Gulak when Anthony Henry mercifully knocked out Rory Gulak with a kick. How did this one treat you, AT? It was long. I mean, I liked it okay. Like, I felt like parts of it early in the match were, like, solid. And I really liked when James Drake and Tracy Williams were in there together. I thought that they had, like, good intensity, that their chops were really landing. I thought that when Henry and Gulak were in the ring together, it felt like they just weren't quite synced. Uh, it didn't feel, it just felt like something was off with them, I guess. I don't know. It was just, it was weird. It was like, yeah, it was like, okay, but it was not, it was just like, it would have been fine if it was the only okay match, but it was like the fourth match of the show where it's like, this is fine. And it was long. And so it was like, I like this. Okay. But it's, it's long. Yes, as I described it on Twitter, it was a Tracy Williams length tag match, but with your PE teacher getting most of the ring time. <laughs> and someone, I think it was Oat, responded and said, "Do you know that like his shoot job is PE teacher?" <laughs> it's like, well, that's what he looks like. So yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Uh, Rory Gulak was the worst wrestler I've ever seen in Evolve. Period. He was terrible. Everything about his presentation was terrible. His work was boring. Everyone else in this match worked so hard. 
And despite how hard they worked, they could not overcome how bad Rory Gulak was and how little anyone cared about him. Like this crowd didn't care about much of anything, but my God, did they not care about Rory Gulak and who could? Ugh. I don't feel bad about that. Okay. <laughs> what is, I feel like there's a thing, a trend developing on this podcast where like one of us is a lot more comfortable just burying stuff uh, than the other, or at least like burying individual performers in a way that I'm always like, well, but you're just like, you're like, this was fucking awful. This is the worst guy I've ever seen. You know, Joe Lanza talks about this, that you have to, there's kind of two things you have to think about. One is that everybody hears what you say. And two, you have to put that out of your mind. You have to know it and then kind of ignore it. So I know I have buried wrestlers on this podcast or buried certain performances on this podcast. And then those wrestlers have reached out to me and, uh, you know, said their piece. And I, I don't have any problem with that because I don't think that I'm unfair in my criticism. The fact is Rory Gulag does not fit in on this roster. Drew Gulag did when he was around. Rory is just, look, only match I've ever seen of his. Maybe he's really good otherwise. He was very bad on this night. So I say that knowing that it's possible Rory Gulak will hear that I said that and think, what does this guy know about uh, anything? Eh, it may be true, but guess what? I buy the subscription. I buy the tickets to the shows, and I wouldn't buy a ticket to see the guy wrestle. That's so, fair. That's um, Yeah, do we talk about the post-match? We did not talk about the post-match. Go ahead. Tell us your, your thoughts. about. Oh, oh, sorry. I forgot about the post-match for a second. Yes. Tracy yeah. Williams says, uh, basically, you know, Rory is dead weight, which is weird. It's almost like this angle played out as if Rory Gulak had been in catch point for three months, and they were just realizing that he was dead weight. When he'd been, like, I didn't realize he was even part of the group. Uh, but anyway. I don't think he, he was. was. But isn't that kind of how Tracy played it? Like, I don't know. He was oh, like, you gotta he was like, go. He was like, catch point has become weak. You right. know, when, when, when I first started this, we were strong. And now we need to like get rid of the weakness. And then he attacked Roy Gulak and the rest of the catch point boys beat up on him. So I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't quite take it that way, but I could see how you would be like, how <laughs> you read that as if he was acting like Rory Gulak had been in the group the whole time. Yeah. It didn't really help with my theory that Tracy Williams is the biggest baby face in Evolve, but yeah. that's okay. I'm used to uh, this promotion being booked uh, exactly the opposite of whatever we say on this podcast. So. Yeah, right. We should just say we love the Trollboys. And watch them get jobbed out and and like go back to their regular gimmicks next month. Maybe maybe they'll go away if we just talk about how much we love them. Oh yeah. God. Rory Gulak, well no, he's gotta be gone, right? Yeah, I think oh, that was a write out. They're sweating for a second. Okay. The next match was the Progress Atlas Championship match. Uh, Walter choking out Fred Yehai for the victory. Much to my chagrin, no one showed up with a scale to make Fred Yehai weigh in to prove he was over 205. Embarrassingly, Joanna Rose announced Fred Yehai at 206 pounds. Apparently he dropped a pound since that tweet we got from Progress. Love to hear what happened there. I guess he was doing some serious cutting weight, sitting in the steam room, dropping the pounds. Anyway, nobody cares about that but me. That's all right. Uh, I love this a lot. How about you? 
Um, I would say that it was great. I would say this is the best match of the night. I the more like I get Yehai, the more I'm just like this guy fucking rules. He was great the next night too. We'll talk about that. But he was great here. I loved him. You know, using his stomps on using his foot stops to open up the chops and just doing Fred Yehai things. This is a good hard hitting match. Walter was really brought the heat, and it was kind of the match I was hoping for with the big guy. You know, beating on the little guy and the little guy trying to use his speed and evasiveness and, you know, that yay high style to get people off balance and try to take advantage. I thought it was excellent. Match of the night. Um, tons of fun. Much love to Walter and uh, Fred Yehai. Imagine if they'd done this in front of a halfway decent crowd. Right, right. Yeah, I think, you know, from now on, they should just save all the good matches for Queens. Yes. Here's... Uh... Here's a thought I had during this match. Like, Walter's probably never wrestled a guy who will just stomp on your foot or stomp on yeah. your leg. Do you think Fred, like, talks about that with the guys before the match? Of like, look, I do these weird stomps. I uh, just want to prepare you so you know I'm going to do that. I mean, I, I just want to be in one of these pre-match discussions. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's like, yo, this is or, – or, hope you know, hopefully Walter's watching Evolve. <laughs> you know, he knows what's Walter's going on. He knows. Yeah, yeah, and but no, but yeah, I'm sure that I would imagine. I don't know. Fred Yehai, if you're listening, just shoot us a DM. <laughs> tell us about the combos. <laughs> and if you have an extra moment, send us a photo of you on a scale proving that you're 206. Yes, do that immediately. I will apologize on this podcast if you can prove that you're over 205 pounds. <laughs> All right, last match that we haven't talked about, a grudge match. Keith Lee. Defeated Timothy Thatcher. This match was not as good as I'd hoped. Uh, dragged a lot during the middle. And the finish was uh, pretty well botched, uh, I think, by Keith Lee. But, you know, I could be wrong. Didn't uh, really make contact on the two big strikes that were supposed to end the match. We screwed this up, by the way. Uh, Thatcher and Lee came before Fred yeah, and Walter. Oh, well. I fucked it up on our rundown sheet. Yeah, you'll have that. So. Anyway, yeah. yeah so, uh, but yeah, so the finish was kind of weak because of that. And it wasn't really like the, the build up to the finish had been great. So this was fine. It just, I was hoping that it would be a lot better. Yeah. Same. Cool. All right. <laughs> I, don't know. I just, uh, yeah, that was, it was just like such a weird show of like, okay matches. Where you're like, that was okay. Why didn't that go to the next level? Why wasn't that better? Yeah, it, you know? it was not a good show. Not a good show. I was I was quite disappointed. Yeah. All right. Evolve 91, uh, the next day at the Elmcore Center in Queens, New York. Started at 4 p.m., so I'm always, you know, skeptical of how shows are going to go with those kind of start times. But this was a lot better than Evolve 90. I enjoyed it quite a bit more. There were better matches, and there was a better crowd. So that helped a lot. Uh, my my biggest criticism coming out of the whole show is that there wasn't really any advancement of any big stories. Like it, it was, it was almost like this show wasn't canon. You know, it was just like something that happened, and and then it, it it'll go away. But so that would be my big criticism. But the matches were good. It was a fun watch. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought so too. I, and I and to their. In the in involves a defense, you know, they knew that they were running a, pro- a doubleheader with progress and they wanted to 
avoid burning people out on wrestling. So they want to get in and out. So there weren't a lot of long angles or talking segments. So yeah, so I understand why that was. And uh, yeah, no, this is a great show. I thought it was really strong. Um, I thought that there were two really great tag team matches and the main event was awesome and totally delivered. And yeah, I had a great time at this show. This was, it was a blast. But uh, do you want to start from the beginning on this one rather than going straight to the main event? Do we want yeah. to talk about the the, uh, the Troll Boys one more time? The Troll Boys are just all over the place on this show because they were in the opening match. And then, uh, again, they were on commentary oh, later yeah. on. We have lots to say about the Troll Boys. So this, this show started. And why? Why? Two nights in a row would you start your shows with these guys? Well, I guess... You might as well get out of the way because it sucks. And it, you know, and it's the angle. They're punishing them for their right, antics right. by making them go on first. Right. I get that. It's just a bad way to start your shows. Like it doesn't get people like the I mean, the best openers are like, you know, a quick little sprint that gets you excited and it's fun and then you get crap like this. So Ethan Page versus ACH, they came out together to the Troll Boys theme. Ethan Page eventually wins with a Rainmaker finger poke and gets the pin. Uh, this sucked so bad. I know, AT, you don't rate matches. I gave this one the big fat dud. Yeah. Because it sucked. That's fair. It was There stupid. was nothing good about it. And it was the same shit. The other thing about this, too, is I feel like if you've seen this, we've seen this three times now, and, like, are people going to find it funny next month? Like, how many times can you see the same kind of, like, uh, shtick, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, like, uh, whatever. But um, one funny bit that happened, like one funny thing too, is that like I had said last month, like, oh, bring this to Queens. I'm going to boo my, you know, I'm going to boo it so hard. Everyone's going to boo it. Everyone loved it. I was wrong. Hashtag wrong, but, <laughs> but uh, I didn't boo it because I'm like, I'm like not that guy. You know what I mean? I never want to be a kind of person to be like, who makes the show about themselves or ruins someone else's good times. So I just, I sat politely, but um, one of my friends who I was with uh, the, uh, the wrestling blogger extraordinaire TJ Hawk was sitting with me and he was, we were right across from the hard cam. If you, if you watch the show, I'm wearing like a Royal blue speedball belly t-shirt and uh, TJ Hawk was sitting my left and TJ is just like visibly yawning throughout the match. <laughs> and just, and just like he had his head like on his forearms, like he was pretending to sleep and uh, you know, after the match, Ethan Page came up to him and was like, wake up. Like, don't yawn. Don't yawn. You know, get up. So uh, I thought that was funny. That that kind of made my my day. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, we don't, I feel like we don't, I feel like we've talked enough about what they do in the ring. Yes. Um, that we don't really need to talk about this. If you like it, if you think it's a funny gimmick and you like this, this shtick, you'll probably like this match. Um, and if you don't, you probably won't. I, I got to say, the performer on this show who did the best job of working to their gimmick was TJ Hawk, who <laughs> not only did he yawn during this match, he yawned throughout the night as if he just could not have cared less about anything that was happening. And it was perfect. I loved every minute of it. Dude, it's classic TJ because he, like, he was very critical was critical during the show, and you can, like, read his facial expressions on, like, what he, like, isn't into. But then after the show, we were we were, like, walking back, and he was like, yeah, those were two very high quality shows. Those are like two of the best shows I've ever been to. That was great. You know, they were very high quality. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it rolled. 
I love you. We miss you, TJ. At least I miss you. Yeah, I still, I mean, I just saw him yesterday, so. Yes, we miss his online presence. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> the next match, uh, Timothy Thatcher, who uh, going up against Darby Allen, and Darby wins. Darby pins him with that the Gibson lock that he's featuring now as his new finish. Huh. Um, this was a match that I liked. It was, It had fun moments, but it did get slow in the middle. I think the problem is Darby just doesn't have enough stuff. Like, just doesn't have uh, what he needs to put together a match this long without relying on some of the stuff that he normally does. So that makes it hard for him to be compelling throughout a match this long. And it wasn't that particularly that long. Uh, I really loved Thatcher being disrespectful toward him at the beginning and kicking him out of the ring like, you don't belong in this ring. I just I wanted that to continue. Like... I'm sorry, I'm going to step on one of your talking points. I apologize. But this should have been a longer storyline before Darby picked up a win. This whole match, I could have dealt with just being Thatcher, kicking him around, telling him he didn't belong in the ring. Uh, You know, at the end, he pins him, like, by standing on him. Or, you know, just something super disrespectful. That would have been great. Instead, it just kind of became a match in the middle. And uh, But it was... Out of that context, it was an enjoyable match. I just wanted more for the story. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought that they had some unfortunate sort of like real life timing in that Timothy Thatcher is going away to Germany um, between August and December to train and teach with WXW. So you kind of have to write him off for a little bit. Um, But yeah, I would have liked this to be, be a thing where it takes, you know, Darby Allen six months to beat him or something like that to really sort of um, but it was a good match. You know, I liked them trading strikes on the outside a little bit. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, so, but yeah, it, it would have liked a longer term sort of bigger story. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true Thatcher is leaving, but you booked the matches. So Thatcher didn't have to face Darby Allen on this show. It wasn't written in the stars that they wrestled uh, on this night. And this is a promotion that doesn't always write people off. People do just disappear from this promotion. Right. Now, that's not, not usually anything. not necessarily contracted long-term guys like Timothy Thatcher. Sure. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, after the match, there was I did enjoy this segment, which I was like, Yeah, I thought it was a good little write-off. It was creative. Yeah. It was cute. It was I was into it. It was kind of sad that like no one really reacted to it. Like I yeah. thought we'd all be like, you know. I don't because it it wasn't clear if he's leaving for good or if he's just leaving for these four months. I hope he's I sure hope he's coming back. But like, I, you know, I thought we'd have kind of, you know, a, a polite respect applause or a thank you, Thatcher. But everyone was just kind of like, oh, all right, I guess he's, he's leaving for now or, you know. Yeah. If you missed it, Walter comes out after the match is over and just kind of stands there menacingly, which I thought. A looming presence. Yes. It played on Flow Slam as if people really took notice of like, oh, what's Walter doing? out here. Yeah. And uh, Timothy Thatcher, you know, gets across to Stokely that like, he's got to go. And, you know, it felt like if you didn't know the context, like the outside context, it would be like, it was like, I'm leaving you Stokely for Walter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And Walt and uh, Stokely was grudgingly accepting for a second. And then he collapsed to his knees and uh, wrapped his arms around Thatcher's legs, which was great. 
And the crowd did react to that. I thought that got a good little reaction just because Stokely's so fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Thatcher walks out, leaves with Walter. Uh, th- that will be good as far as we don't have to worry about what's Stokely's deal with Thatcher and what's up with the dream team while Thatcher's gone. But yeah, I expect that, he, that he'll be back eventually. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure Thatcher will ever leave Evolve for good. So, uh, and that's at this point, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. All right. The next match uh, was for the Evolve tag team titles. Uh, if you had forgotten about this, the idea of the tag team championship matches this weekend was that the former champions, Fred Yehi and Tracy Williams, would get to pick their partners for tag title challenges because they never got a rematch after they lost the titles uh, originally to Dickinson and Jocko. But Yehi and Williams don't like each other anymore, so they got to pick uh, new people. So Tracy picked Rory Gulak for some unknown reason, and Fred Yehi chose Jason Kincaid, so they got their shot against the workhorsemen. They were not successful, uh, but this was, for me, yeah, I think it, I think it was my favorite match of the weekend. I'm going to go with that. So I liked it a lot. What did you think? I don't think it was my favorite match of the weekend, but I, I really thought it was great. I thought everyone was great here. I thought that I loved, like, the little sort of interactions between Yehi and Drake where Yehi was just constantly trying to knock him off the ring apron, which is like, yeah, like, of course, that's what you should do. It's like a little thing like that, a little attention to detail where it's like, yeah, why would you let that guy just stand on the ring apron if you can knock him off when you ever have a chance, you know? And then you have Drake sort of trying to avoid Yehi's kicks to knock him off the apron, and then Yehi finally catching him. I thought everyone just, just looked really great here. There was a lot of good action. Um, it made me think, like, Drake and Henry are going to be all right here. I'm like, this is going to work. They're going to get, they're going to get, they're in the process of getting over. They're going to do well here because this was, a, this was a really, really good match. And I, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's great. The commentary was, you know, brutal because we had uh, ACH and Ethan Page on commentary and they were making all these stupid insights, you know, like the joke where they're like, uh, you know, ACH is the color commentator, you know, if you get it, you know, and you're just like, that's like, not really that interesting or funny. And then it's like, it's like, we get it. He's black. That's, you know, good observation, I guess. Um, and then, and then they were like, Oh, James Drake, he looks like Husky Harris or Morishima. And it's just like, this isn't helping him. And also they made a joke about how Gabe Sapolsky was cheap. Like the joke was like, are we getting paid for wrestling and for commentary? And then the, and I think it was Paige who was like, or ACH. I'm not sure which one said it, but they, one of them was like, you know, of course not. We work for Gabe Sapolsky. And it's like, don't talk about how the promoter of your show is cheap on the show. <laughs> like, you know, especially when a big critique of your product is that like the productions, the production values in the venue is not what people would like it to be. Like you talk about presenting your brand. What are you doing? So that was really dumb. But uh, I was able to tune a lot of it out, and I really enjoyed this. You know, when I watched it back on tape, and I, and I really enjoyed it live and, and on tape. Yeah, the I don't want to say much more about the commentary, but... Yeah, I'm sorry we keep talking about them, but they just yeah. keep being on these shows. It's just like they're treating it like you know, this is the pipe bomb, right? They're, they're just dropping all this truth about Evolve. But it's like it's just not compelling in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Ah, uh, It's just... 
it's amazing that I like this match as much as I did because I obviously I wasn't there live, so I only watched it with the commentary. But uh, the work could not be denied. Anthony Henry was an absolute star in this match. He was great. I don't think he'd really gotten a chance to shine yet in Evolve, but he took every opportunity here. Fred Yehai was great. Drake was great. Kincaid was also in this match. And it was something that uh, I just, I really loved it. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about James Drake here. I was not a fan of him when he showed up on the last month's shows. I said on the show, if you got some James Drake matches, send them to me. I'll check them out. Somebody did. I checked out a few of his matches, and there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, when the guy works a specific style, like uses his size a little more in like a, a brutal way, he does some really good stuff. And I like when he kind of sprinkles in the high flying, which he did in this match. It was like the high spot at the end of the match, you know, was that big moonsault, which was, it was great. It worked really well. And it was, he was crisper, I thought, than he was uh, the matches the month before. He was very good here. Uh, I'm not, you know, here to put him over as like the best wrestler in the world at this point, but I had made some criticisms of him on the last show. And I thought I would uh, follow up on the fact that I watched some other of his matches and I really liked this match. So good on him. And I'm not, I still think Dickinson and Jaka should be tag champions, but I'm with you. What you said a second ago, AT, these guys are finding their footing and I expect they're going to continue to have some good matches. And one other thing we kind of, uh, we kind of wound up with like a tag team division now, right? As much as we hate the troll boys, they're a tag team and they got to win over Dickinson and Jaka. And we have Drake and Henry. They're doing well. If they want to keep Yehi and Kincaid together, I think that would be a good idea. So, and, you know, if you don't have immediate plans to put, you know, Yehi in a long-term title singles title program, you know, that would be a cool thing to do with him. Um, and uh, yeah, Dickinson and Jaka got a big win uh, in the next, uh, not the next match, but later in the show. So kind of got like we've been, we've been. We've been bitching, or I personally was complaining a lot about how like they don't really have a tag division, and now we're we're kind of seeing something. Well, let, let's see where it goes. Let's let's let it play. All out. right, all right, all right. See what happens? All right. Yeah. Next match: Mark Haskins taking on Austin Theory, who was joined by Priscilla Kelly. Uh, I'm not sure if this was a surprise or not. Uh, I was getting ready to say in a surprise finish, but I guess Haskins uh, is a bigger a bigger star than Austin Theory. But Haskins tapped out Austin Theory. With the sharpshooter. Well, I'll ask you, do you think that was a surprise finish? Um, hmm. I don't know. What was interesting, when Haskins came out, he got a huge pop. To this yeah. point on the show, Haskins had the biggest pop on the show. And I was like, oh, For sure. I guess he's a, yeah, I guess he's a big deal. Um, and so, like, so, yeah, so it was a surprise to the extent. I don't know. It could have gone either way. You would have thought that Theory would just keep winning matches. Um, so a little bit of a surprise that he lost here. I um, guess Evolve guys can't win every match on the show right. if they work with another company. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, well, Evolve guys should win every match. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I was pulling for all the Evolve. Like, even though I was like, at first when they came out, you know, I boo, boo Austin Gray, but I was like, oh, come on, Austin, you know, this is, you got to, uh, you got to represent the brand. I said it on the preview. He had, he had the whole South on his back, and yeah. uh, he let us down, unfortunately. Yeah. The South is too heavy, as it sometimes can be. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. 
That was bad. That was Ethan Page and ACH level. <laughs> All right, but this was a good match. Mark slide. This was a good match. It, I really loved the beginning of it. Theory looked like an absolute monster. He was so crisp. Uh, he had a good pace going. His stuff was looking brutal. It was really good. They lost steam a little bit in the middle. Uh, and then the finish, I liked the sharpshooter finish, but – how we got there with that weird, you know, Priscilla Kelly involvement with her uh, diving onto Haskins uh, or trying to dive onto Haskins. That was kind of weird. I just don't like those kind of uh, interference type uh, finishes or near finishes. But there was a lot of stuff to like here. Yeah, I thought so too. I like that spot where she she meant to dive onto Haskins and she hit theory. Like it was cool. I didn't, you know, when she busted out the springboard, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um. Yeah, and I thought that this was – I had the same kind of feeling that you did. I thought the finish was hot where uh, Haskins – you know, the finishing stretch was hot. Like, Haskins hit the Death Valley driver on the apron. You know, still Kelly did that springboard dive. So it was cool. And and uh, I thought that they did lose steam in the middle, as you mentioned. There was kind of one awkward moment where it was like um, uh, Theory was doing like a somersault and Haskins was coming off the ropes. And somehow they just got – you know, there's a miscommunication and they just kind of like – stood there and looked at each other for a second. And it kind of reminded me of this recurring dream that I have where I'm a wrestler in a wrestling match. And like, I walk into the ring and I start to like wrestle them. I get ready to like wrestle. And then I just remember that I don't know how to wrestle. You know, I like suddenly become my real life (laughs) self again. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like I've never wrestled. I'm unathletic. I have no idea what to do. And then I wake up. Um, And that's what it reminded me of for one second. But Austin theory to his credit, uh, collected himself. They went. They did the spot over again, I believe, yeah. which is like always kind of awkward. But you know, it was one of those. It was a rare moment where you definitely noticed it, but they cleaned up well enough. I wondered later. Like I thought, you're probably right. Same as you that there was some sort of issue where I think theory. I think theory didn't do what he was supposed to do because Haskins kind of ended up in a spot. And he just kind of looked at the mat like, <laughs> like this next thing is supposed to happen and you're not in the right position for me to do it. And I'm not sure what to do. But then I noticed that Theory was busted open at some point. So I wasn't really sure if maybe he got busted open during that exchange. And that's really what caused the issue. Uh, I don't know. But hmm. he did get busted open. Yeah. Okay. We have two more matches left on this card. The match we were all waiting for, I think, or at least you and me. Yeah. Chris Dickinson and Jaka in a rematch for Mania Weekend against the South Pacific Power Trip. Uh, As expected, Dickinson and Jaka get their win back. Jaka pinned TK Cooper after the death trap. Did this live up to the Orlando match? Yeah. I don't think it was as good as the Orlando match, but it totally delivered. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, I, you know, I left very, I only left satisfied. Um, I was I was fired up for it and delivered. Um, it was just it was hot. They did a lot of crazy shit. There was a big super Falcons arrow, and um, they did a little. It was weird because like they did like a little bit of like regular tag team wrestling, and then just went back to the spots. And I thought that either they could have done more sort of traditional style tag team wrestling, or just completely balls to the wall spots. But that's a minor complaint. I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I was hooting and hollering. Um, South Pacific Power Trip was super over. They had a huge pop coming out. Um, uh, I didn't love the spot where Chris Dickinson 
you know, Dahlia Black was yelling at Chris Dickinson and he sort of grabbed her, you know, by the neck or whatever. I was like, I don't need to see the man on woman violence, you know, unless it's like a match. It's like, uh, you know, it, it always makes me uncomfortable. That's just, that's just me. And then, but then fortunately, uh, TK Cooper came and, you know, attacked Dickinson and then Dickinson threw, I'm fine with like the dude, I'm fine with Dickinson, like throwing him into Dolly Black and her getting knocked off the apron. That was, that was, I had a moment of like anxiety, but then it was chill. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a really great match. Um, I loved, there was an awesome no sell spot where they, uh, South Pacific power trip just kept kicking Jaka in the head while he was on the ground and he fired up and then they like kicked his knees out and like kicked him in the head again. And then he just like powered up and gave him a, gave him both a choke slam at the same time. And uh, I was watching, I was like, this is obviously very stupid. It makes no sense, <laughs> but it totally fucking rules. And uh, yeah, it ruled. It was a really fun match. I definitely uh, got my money's worth. I just want to go back to the Dahlia Black spot for a second. It was made worse by Lenny Leonard, who I love, saying on commentary that Dahlia Black must not know Kimberly. Yeah. Brought back that really stupid thing that they did that like went viral, as the kids say, and made wrestling look really bad for several days and reflected quite poorly on Chris Dickinson. And uh, when I think back now, probably explains why it took me quite a bit longer to get into Dickinson because I had a really bad taste left in my mouth from that whole issue. And uh, yeah, so there was nothing good about that, especially because Black hadn't really done much like to need comeuppance in any way. She hadn't really been involved otherwise. Yeah, just that one spot of her like yelling at Dickinson when he was about to hit the Pazuzu bomb. But yeah. Right. So yeah, no, it was... It's it's not what you want. Uh, I like the match. I thought it was cool. I probably didn't like it as much as you did. I felt like it was mostly moves. Uh, the match in Orlando was more of a Southern style tag match, which I just like a lot. And this didn't have the speed or the intensity that that match had, but it was it was good. I just had a I had really high expectations for it. If that match hadn't happened, I probably would have loved this, but it just wasn't as good as that match. Okay, the yeah, main and a, and a good win for Dickinson and Jaka. You know, they they kind of needed it after losing their titles and the dumb loss to the Troll Boys. It was like this <laughs> good win to get them back on track and sort of yeah start you know pushing them back towards a title shot. But we need like some explanation, like what happened against Ethan Page and ACH? Because yeah. otherwise, how are they good enough to beat South Pacific Power Trip? I mean, yeah, it, uh, it boggles the mind. It does. It needs some sort of explanation. Anyway, main event was a fatal four-way for the WWN Championship. Uh, your champion, Matt Riddle, taking on Keith Lee, Tracy Williams, and Walter. Uh, in the end, Matt Riddle submitted Tracy Williams with the bro mission. So I guess, did you like the match, and was that a satisfying finish? I thought it was a great match. I, I love it. This was probably this was my match of the night, I thought. Uh all the Keith Lee Walter segments were just like hashtag big, big lads wrestling. Just fucking just it ruled the athleticism and the strength and the power was just awesome. And it made me really want to sing a singles match that between them. And so like, I love this four way too, because it didn't feel like dudes were just waiting around for other guys to pop into the ring or out of the ring. It didn't feel like super duper 
choreographed or dancey. I thought it was a really good match. And uh, everything felt very tight and it felt like everyone was working really hard. And they were really just chopping the shit out of each other. And it, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Um, my one thing is that I still left thinking that it would have been better as two singles matches. Like, I, I really wish they would just have done a Keith Lee-Walter singles match. I know that PWG announced that they were doing it, but like, fuck them. Why not scoop them and be like, we have the match first. You can watch the PWG match when the DVD comes out, you know, six months from now or whatever. I don't know. That's, you know, but I, I don't know why they didn't do it. That's just like one theory. But I, uh, I really, uh, yeah, I wish they'd done the singles match, but this was still great nonetheless. Yeah, unfortunately, again, I was lower on it than you. I thought it was fine. Uh, I felt like it was a little tropey. I hear what you're saying, that it wasn't like guys were waiting around, but it still seemed like your normal, the kind of interactions you get in a four-way match. There wasn't anything innovative or creative about the way that they did a four-way match. Uh, There were a lot of cool exchanges, like you're talking about when Keith Lee and Walter paired off. But it just didn't seem fluid. It didn't seem like we were just moving from thing to thing. It felt like there was this thing and then there was this thing. So I feel like you and I watched different matches, but that's fine. Uh, We just, we didn't see it the same way. Yeah. Uh, Um, I I like the story that they did too of, of, uh, I think there were three different times where it was like Tracy Williams would try to sneak in and beat Matt Riddle after he was like, just you know, he'd just finished fighting off someone else and he'd come in and try to, you know, hit a brain buster on him or to, to put him in that cross face. The one, my one complaint about the match, I guess, is that the finish didn't quite land. It wasn't as high as it should have been. And I don't know what it was because it was like Williams had uh, Riddle in the cross face, but it didn't, it should have been like this big near fall, I feel like, where everyone's like yelling, like, please don't tap and, and it's hot. And I can't tell if it's that they didn't hold it for long enough or because people just didn't buy that Tracy could win. And so they just didn't like buy into it as the finish. Um, but then, you know, Riddle countered into the pro mission and won the match. But I, I just, that was my one thing where the finish didn't feel like it quite hit that, you know, crescendo the way you would like. Yeah. It's a real bummer for me that like Riddle and, and Williams is a thing that's, it's like the longest, the longest term story in the promotion and now it feels like it's over. Like, I don't have any interest now in seeing them in a one-on-one match because I feel like Riddle's already gotten the best of him, even with Keith Lee and Walter hanging around. So I feel like you kind of destroyed that in a way. Um, but like you made me really want to see Keith Lee and Walter. I think the real problem, like Evolve's real problem coming out of this weekend is that Walter came out the biggest star of the two Evolve shows. And I don't think Walter's coming back. So that's that's a concern for me. Uh, somebody's got to look bigger and better than Walter does on your shows. Yeah, because you kind of look at it and you're like, coming out of the show, like Dave Melter's always talking about how every time a show ends, there should be another match you want to see next. And now it's like, where do we go next? I mean, maybe it's like, I guess you can do tag title matches against both Ethan Page and ACH or against Dickinson and Jaka, but it's like, what does Matt Riddle do next? I mean, do you do a Matt Riddle-Tracy Williams singles match? It's like, well, you've already kind of like beaten Tracy Williams. And it's like, maybe you do, maybe you do the Lee Riddle match, but it just feels like 
They just we, they just did they that. just had that, and we just had them in this match. Um, and so you're kind of just like, there's not like, yeah, it's tough. There wasn't a ton of storyline progression this weekend, and we don't really know where they're going next. And it's just kind of like um, you're losing Thatcher. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, that's the one thing. This was a great show, but coming out of it, you're kind of like, okay, all right, I guess. Uh, there's nothing you're, you're not like thirsting for the next weekend. Right. The next match you want to see is Keith Lee versus Walter. And that's a right. match the promotion can't deliver. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll bring Walter back, but I, you know, I don't know who knows. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe there's some, you know, Thatcher's going for four months. So maybe they have some deal that Walter's going to come back at some point. They certainly played this weekend as if Walter was going to come back and face Keith Lee at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they will deliver on it, but we're not getting it next month. Yeah, so yeah, I guess we'll. Uh, the other the other thing to note is they had the another sort of uh, scene of Matt Riddle wanting the fist bump and Keith Lee being even more reluctant. He finally did, but he almost didn't give him the fist bump. So perhaps we'll see, you know, more of that story. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of wanted to see Keith walk away from him. Like I yeah. thought that would have been yeah. more yeah, interesting. Nice Absolutely. Cause then you can be like, Oh, well like Keith Lee's like totally got his killer instinct and we're, you know, I wonder what he's going to do next. Right. But now we're just kind of like, I know, I don't know. Cause he doesn't have to like not shake his hand and then punch him, but that'd probably be too much for Keith Lee's character, at least at this point. But yeah. I would have liked to see him just shake his head and walk away. But We'll yeah, see, we'll see where that's going. Uh, the best news is that yeah. Zach Saber Jr. will be back next month. Yeah, that rules. <laughs> it's good. It's good to see Zach back. I wonder who will wrestle. I, I don't Did, know. But here's the thing, right? Like about this Darby Allen Timothy Thatcher storyline. It's like, okay, he beat Thatcher. Is the next step that he gets a title shot against Zach Saber Jr. And if so, it's like Thanks. not really what I want. Like I want them, I want them to earn it. That's what I want. I want this promotion to earn it with its storytelling a little bit more. I want to feel like we went on a journey with Darby Allen and finally he's getting his big shot at Zack Sabre Jr. And not like, you know, he got his ass kicked by Thatcher. He beat him the next show, you know, the next month. And now he's wrestling for the title. So I hope they don't do that, but we'll see. Well, you just said it on this podcast. So that's what we're getting. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, what I meant to say is that I there is one match I cannot wait for, and it's Zack Saber Jr. versus Darby Allen, and oh, I yeah. really hope it's on the next month's show. You've told me that a lot of times privately that you're really looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the bad news, friends, is that the next shows are about six weeks away, so you are not going to hear from. Uh, Los Wrong Boys for quite a while. So I, I'm sorry to say that. Uh, maybe something big will happen and we'll jump in with a with a, a, mid, a mid-month show, but I kind of doubt it. We'll probably just be back in six weeks. Uh, in the meantime, you should follow us on Twitter at EvolvePod. Uh, you can catch me at AaronLikeTheCar or AT at APTaub. Make sure to check us out. We'll be talking every time the new WWN alerts come out. We've got a few little takes here and there as matches get announced. So check us out there. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on what's going on in Evolve. 
Uh, please remember to subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. And if you're an iTunes subscriber, you can leave a rating interview just for our show, not for the entire Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. That would be really great for us uh, so that other people who are into Evolve uh, will get a chance to find out about us if they haven't heard about us yet. So just want to remind you one more time that we're a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the network, all the great writing and reviews uh, on the website. We appreciate you listening. I'm Aaron for Aaron. We're the wrong boys. This is Everything Evolves. See you in September. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.